0: Okay, we are continuing our uh, look into uh, the Gospel of Mark and we're at chapter 2. So if you have a Bible with you, can you please turn to Mark chapter 2 and we're reading from verse 1 to 12, but don't worry if you don't, um, the words will be up on the screen. That's Mark chapter 2. Okay. Mark chapter 2. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. So many gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralysed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above jesus and after digging through it lowered the mat it lowered the mat the paralyzed man was lying on when jesus saw their faith he said to the man son your sins are forgiven now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves why does this fellow talk like that he's blaspheming who can forgive sins but god alone Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that, uh, that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say, to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins. He said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, Take your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat and walked out in in full view of them all. This amazed everyone. And they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. Excellent. Well, a few years ago, um, I found a book in a bookshop which I bought... Um, called uh, The Hard Sayings of Jesus, uh, by a guy called F.F. Bruce. And it goes through lots of different sayings Jesus said, which actually, if we understand them, and at the time, were quite offensive to people. They brought division as well. They divided people by what he was saying. And actually, the book is about, if we understand them today, actually, they still are offensive and they still bring division. And I was surprised to open it up and have a flick through and realise that Jesus' words, son, your sins are forgiven, are in this book about hard sayings of Jesus. Well, I was thinking, why? why Why do they appear in this book? Why does he write about this? Well, actually, for many, forgiveness is still a big deal. For many people will say, well, actually, no, 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 forgiveness needs to be earned. Forgiveness needs to be won. Forgiveness needs to be worked for, not just given. For others, they might say, but you don't know my past. You don't know what I've been like. You don't know what I'm like. For a man just to come and say, son, your sins are forgiven, that to me is hard. So I think there's three things that we learn about following Jesus from this passage that I want us to look at. And conveniently they all begin with F. Faith, forgiveness and friction. So Jesus is kind of building up a crowd as we hear and uh, a bit of a following and they turn up at the home that he's in. Now, Whose house is this? Who would live in a house like this? Who's, whose home is this? I mean, it could be it could be Simon's mother-in-law's house. That was in uh, uh, chapter one. They'd gone to, the, to, to his house. It could be her house. It could be another friend. In fact, one commentator says there's a real strong possibility it's actually Jesus' house. It's actually his family home. And so the people had gathered there, and the house is full. And Jesus begins to teach to them. And four guys bring with them on a mat a man that can't walk, a man that is paralyzed. And they're looking for healing for this guy. But they can't, because of the crowd, they can't, get, they can't get this guy to Jesus. There's too many people. But these men won't be stopped. And so so they climb up onto the roof, they remove it, and they lower the man down to where Jesus is. The roof would have been a mix of perhaps wood, perhaps mud, some plaster, um, a bit of grass, perhaps that type of thing. Not extremely difficult, not like doing your house at home um, you know it, it wouldn't have been a major major problem but they'd have still had to have dug through it to make a hole to get to Jesus now I know some of you will be thinking this is really clever this is very innovative well, this, they are using their initiative who would, who would say they would think that I knew it! I knew Paul's hand would be first up. Anyone else? Yeah, okay. <laughs> Chris, yeah. And a few others, Nev. Yeah, one or two others kind of going, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Do you know you're in the minority, as you can see. Most of us would say, This is outrageous. You can't dig through a person's roof. What are you doing? This is this is Jesus' This is either Jesus' friend's house, or maybe it's his house. How would you expect him to respond? The roof! What are you doing? Stop it! I'd have probably stopped them before they'd got on the roof. If they'd have got on the roof, they'd have been stopped if it was my house. But serving people can often be messy. It can often be inconvenient. Do you like everything tidy and organised? Do you like people to respond in the way you expect them to respond? My advice would be think carefully about getting involved with people. I'm just looking around the room perhaps at people who are involved in perhaps social action projects or getting involved with people and I'm sure you will know what I mean. Can't, can't these people come back another day? Can't they just wait? It's, they, get off my roof. You know, I'm not suggesting we, you become a doormat. We all become doormats and people can do what they like. But it's the fact that people and working with people can sometimes be messy and inconvenient. But Jesus isn't angry. Actually, what Mark records here is he sees their faith. He's impressed by their faith. Okay, let's talk about faith for a bit. See, we can can sometimes make faith into something that it's not. We can sometimes say faith is just this kind of irrational leap into the dark. Switch off your brain and just do whatever. Sometimes we can say that's faith. We can say faith is just about having enough faith Willpower to make something true. If I think about it enough, if I believe it enough, it might come true. I'm always encouraged when Paul says to us, how's your faith? How's your faith? Because I know he doesn't believe, and we don't believe, that faith is just some little thing for for a group of Christians, a handful of Christians... Oh, they're the faith ones. They've got, actually, no, he wants us, and we want us, to be a faith filled people. A people of faith. A community that are faith filled. See, faith involves three things, and I'm going to kind of use an example of becoming a Christian, what it means to become a Christian, and we're going to kind of look at that as what faith is. See, faith involves knowing the truth. See, the man and his friends will have heard of Jesus' healings. You know, we can know things about Jesus. We get to know about who Jesus is. Perhaps you're on the Alpha course at the moment and you are finding things out about who Jesus is. But facts in themselves aren't enough for faith. Because faith also involves acknowledging or affirming truth. See, these, these men, the man as well, must have acknowledged, they must have said, yeah, okay, yep, yeah. Jesus, Jesus can heal. I believe it, I, I, I kind of acknowledge it, I affirm, Jesus can heal, they must have. And we can acknowledge that facts are true, truth is true. Yeah, okay, yep, yeah. okay, I acknowledge that's true. But actually, even acknowledging faith, isn't, uh, uh, acknowledging truth, acknowledging facts, isn't enough actually involves a decision to personally depend on Jesus. See, they went to Jesus. The man and his friend went to Jesus. See, it's when we know facts, truth, when we acknowledge them, and when we personally depend on that truth. We say, I'm going to trust in that truth. I'm going to depend on it. That's faith. We had the, uh, Hassan talking about the doctors. It's a bit like going to the doctors and you kind of, you kind of get the facts. You get the truth. They tell you. And, uh, but that's not enough to heal you, is it? But you, you might then acknowledge, actually, yeah, okay, I agree with what you're saying. I agree with what you're saying is wrong with me and, and, and what, what we should do about it. But even that's not enough. Actually, there's a step that says, "Okay, I'm going to depend on what you're telling me. I'm going to take the medicine. I'm going to uh, take the whatever you're you're offering me." Actually, it involves depending on it. This is how uh, the message version of the Bible um, puts Hebrews 11, a great chapter in the Bible about faith. It says this, the fundamental, uh, this is Hebrews 11.1 one, from the message, the fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith, is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. It's our handle on what we can't see. So Hebrews is saying, life should be led like this. I might not be able to see into the future and, and see everything clearly mapped out for me, the thing I'm going to hold on to, the thing I'm going to move forward with is faith and trust in God. The foundation which enables me to move forward is trust in him and faith in him. So is what you know and what you acknowledge about Jesus causing you to depend on him, causing you to trust in him? See, Jesus loves their faith. He loves faith. He loves seeing people make choices and decisions and actions in their lives in response to who he is. He loves it. See, perhaps you're aware, life, your Christian life has just become about going through the motions. I just do the stuff. He wants to restore faith to you today. Maybe God seems distant right now. Maybe God seems uncaring to the situations you're facing. You know, faith means we persevere to come to Jesus. Faith means we say, I know I can approach you because I know you're not distant and uncaring. I know you're for me and you love me. And so I'm going to persevere in faith to you. See, maybe there's things God is calling to you right now, calling you to do in life. Actually, he doesn't want you to respond in just cold, heartless obedience. Actually, he's looking for faith-filled, loving, grace-filled, joyful obedience. That's the Christian life. See, it's not clear if Jesus saw the faith of the four guys that were carrying the man or whether he saw the faith of the man. It doesn't tell us. But actually, from reading it, we certainly see the faith of the four guys, don't we? That they brought their friend. They must have. They must have had faith to pick up their friend and walk into Jesus and to dig through the roof. It's not hard to see. They put their faith into action. They refused to give up hope. Do you remember studying james if you were here about a year ago it was about a year ago we did james we did the book of james from the bible does anyone remember yes excellent and it's all about you know actually our faith our faith has legs our faith has action to it our faith spurs us on our faith spurs us to movement spurs us to action You certainly see these guys' faith in how they bring their friend to Jesus. Is your faith causing you to bring people to Jesus? See, when you talk to people, are you bringing the love of Jesus to them? Are you looking for opportunities to talk about Jesus? Perhaps to invite someone to Alpha, perhaps to, you know, you're talking about a particular thing. I want to lend you this book. This will really help you. Are you looking to bring people to Jesus? Is your faith causing that to happen? I'm not expecting anyone to destroy a roof. Except a few people who put their hands up earlier. But it will cause you to bring people to him. Okay, so the response to... What is Jesus' response to this faith? He says this, Son... Your sins are forgiven. So, firstly, faith, but second, forgiveness. So up to now, Mark has already recorded um, some healings. Uh, what have we had? We've, we've. Uh, let's see what we've had. Let's see if anyone remembers. Okay, so we've been working through from Mark chapter one. Does anyone remember what healings we've had already that Jesus healed? Is that hand over there? A doom-possessed man. Okay, yep, yep. Excellent. Peter's Peter's mother-in-law, yep, yes, yep. Sorry, Sue. Mammy leprosy, yes. Yep, yep. And it also just says that many people were brought to Jesus with various sicknesses and diseases, and he healed them. But actually, with this man, Jesus (laughs) seems to be giving more attention to the spiritual healing that a person needs. So he says he's saying there's something even more crucial than this man's physical healing. See, Jesus knew that like every human being, this man had a problem with sin. Sin. All our disobedience, all our turning from God, all our wanting to do things his, our way, all the things we've said wrong, all the things we've done wrong. See, we don't like talking about sin, do we, in our modern day age? But actually, Jesus knows the seriousness of sin. Actually, he came to deal with it. And from this this account, in a matter of a a few weeks, he would be nailed to a cross to pay for that sin for you and I to deal with it once and for all, forever. See, the famous um, Bible teacher John Stott um, says this. Uh, he says, if we, don't, if we don't see our need for forgiveness, we either don't see the wonder, the beauty, the gloriousness of God, or we don't see the true state of the human condition, the human heart. Uh, There was a letter in an advice column um, to a newspaper uh, a few years ago, which I saw. And I can't remember if I've used this example before on a Sunday morning, but apologies if I have, but I like to use it because it makes it sound like I'm intelligent and I read the Times newspaper, which I don't, um, but it makes me look like that way. Some of the youth have said that's not cool. (laughs) Um, But anyway... Uh, uh, the letter to this this advice column was um, a, a, an eighteen year old girl who had written saying that she, she she'd moved away from home and she had had just this sense in her life that she was sinning that she was wrong something was out of kilter something was wrong with with her and God, and she couldn 't get over this this sense and this feeling and uh, she said she didn 't have any religious background, but she was worried that she just wasn 't living the way that that God wanted for her. And the response from the psychologist was was really this. Look, don't worry. Look, you're not a sinner. It's, It's all simply psychological. It's all simply in your head. It's because of some of the big changes you're going through in life. And actually, I'm sure some of that psychological advice within the column was good. I, I don't know the girl, maybe some of it was, was right. Maybe some of that advice was good to her. But what was really clear was the, the kind of obvious uh, uh, message in it that don't be stupid, there's nothing between humans and, and God. There's no problem there. What it, it's, all, it's all kind of made up. It's all because of circumstances. Don't worry about it. So it's almost reflective of our culture that says... Sin? Disobedience to God? no, No one talks about that anymore. Listen, the good news is this. Jesus forgives sin. See, you won't find that from any other major religious leader. You won't find that from Mohammed. You won't find that from Buddha. You'll find things that say... Actually, do these things. I've discovered a process. There's a process here of sorting out your sin. There's a method. Do this and you'll be okay. Jesus forgives. That's grace. That's not earned. That's forgiveness. It's given. And forgiveness is only found at the cross where Jesus gave his life where he dealt with sin. That's where forgiveness is available. This is what it says in Colossians. This is from chapter 2. It says this, When you were dead in your sins, it says, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having cancelled them, uh, sorry, having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He's taken it away, nailing it, To the cross. See, you can't find forgiveness anywhere else. You cannot find peace with God anywhere else. You cannot find it in acts of kindness. You cannot find it in simply attending Christian meetings. You cannot find it by reading tarot cards or having strange mystical spiritual experiences. We find it in the cross of Christ. It's through Jesus. See, forgiveness is a big deal. It can be a big deal for us. Sometimes we can... Do you know, like, when you have um, an argument with someone and and they'll kind of... Perhaps something will come up from the past. But what about that? You did that. Do you remember that? And you think, I thought we dealt with that. I thought... I, th- I, thought, I, thought, I thought you'd forgive me for that. Actually, some of us, that's how we see God. We think that perhaps God one day is going to go, hey, remember that, that really bad sin? Remember that thing you did? Well, actually, I haven't forgiven you about it. Actually, I'm bringing it up right now. Actually, that's not how God deals with us. He's dealt with sin forever at the cross. He's not going to bring it up. So Jesus is claiming to be able to forgive sin. But actually, he's claiming so much more. And the teachers of the law know that. The teachers of the law were the, the religious guys. They, uh, they knew the scriptures really well. They th- hey, they thought, actually, we, we really know the scriptures well. We know God because we know the scriptures and we know how to apply them. Uh, and what had happened is the teachers of the law had turned it into, okay, we apply these things so well. That God will be pleased with us, and this is how we get to God; This will sort out our sin. we just apply these different rules, these different regulations. These were the teachers of the law, the religious guys of the day, and they they knew that only God can forgive sin. They knew what they knew what their scriptures said it says this in psalm fifty one against this is David, he says against you only have I sinned it says this in Daniel nine the Lord, uh, to the Lord our God belong mercy." And forgiveness. It says this in Isaiah 42: Was it not the Lord against whom we have sinned? So, in forgiving sin, they know Jesus is claiming to be God. Blasphemy! They're thinking, He. Jesus, you Jesus should, he should have sent this guy to the temple if he wanted forgiveness. That's where he's meant to go. Go to the temple, do the right sacrifices, see the priest. It should be okay. That's where he should go if he wants forgiveness. But Jesus says, no, no, no. If you, you know, Jesus says elsewhere, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And you know, if, you, if you've encountered me, you're encountering the Father. So he asks him this question. What's easier? What's easier to say? To forgive sins or, or to heal a man? Heal this man. And the response is that actually there's no way to test the forgiveness, the reality of the forgiveness. But there's a very easy way to test the reality of the healing. And so to prove, to prove he had power to forgive Jesus, heals the paralyzed man. There could be no argument about it. And the people, it says, are amazed. See, God heals today. We've already had it this morning. Isn't it wonderful? God heals today. We believe that. We're a church. We're a people who believe God heals today. But actually, the greatest healing... Is one of the human condition. It's one of our human state before God. And he heals this man to show that he has authority to bring the greatest healing to men and women. And you know, I, I don't want to play down anyone's illness, anyone's sickness... But actually, what good is it to be healed in this life, yet spend an eternity apart from him? What good is it to be healed in this life, yet not know true joy, not know the joy of forgiveness, the joy of knowing our Heavenly Father in this life? Praise God, we don't have to choose. Thank God we don't have to choose. Thank God it's not like we have to decide, okay, what am I going to do? Am I going to pray for the sick or am I going to tell people about Jesus and and, and tell people how they get to know him? Which one should I do? Should it be this one? Should it be this one? No, no, Jesus says in his own words, he says to his disciples as as he sends them out, he says, proclaim the kingdom and heal the sick. Praise God we don't have to choose. It's great. It was great to hear those uh, testimonies of people this morning from Dadabai, from Hassan. It's exciting, isn't it? I hope it stirred your faith. Actually, I hope it stirs your faith to see that God heals even the greatest of sinners. Even the person most far away from God. God can reach out and grab. Okay, so finally, we've had faith, forgiveness... And now friction. I think I might have said before, if you have three points and they all start with the same letter, then one of them is usually not very good, and one of them is just kind of forced and squeezed in. Well, friction, I I, I appreciate that's not easy to perhaps translate, or uh, opposition, um, tension, hostility, um, perhaps they're better words, but they don't start with F. So this is the start of another theme that Mark brings out in his Gospel. Something, and in fact, it's something that all the um, the Gospel writers um, highlight. It's the, the opposition of the religious leaders to Jesus. So he's, come, he's, he's suddenly come up against opposition. And uh, right now, it's just grumbling in their hearts. Just a bit of Grumbling. But actually, as we go through Mark, we'll see it becomes. They're asking, hey, this guy eats with sinners and tax collectors. Hey, this guy, this guy is healing on a day that's meant to be for rest. Hey, we think this guy's demon-possessed. Until eventually, they hand him over to the authorities to be crucified. See, Jesus said this in John 16. In this world, you will have trouble. One of the great promises of God. In this world, you will have trouble. See, Jesus encountered, encountered opposition to his message, and he knew that his followers would as well. And I'm aware we have many people here from different nations who will know what it is to have opposition to following Jesus. They will know what it's like to know they can't gather together to read and pray, read the Bible and pray. They will know what it's like to um, to to experience um, a a loss of jobs, or, or kids not being allowed to go to school, or even imprisonment for following Jesus. I'm so aware of that. But it's really important that we see that actually one of the themes of Mark is that he wants, he wants people to be encouraged that even if they're first facing persecution, Jesus is Lord and they can trust him and depend on him. But even in the UK, we can face opposition because of Jesus' name. We can face opposition doing things in his name. Our good actions will not always result in good reactions From people Uh, we take our young people on a trip to New Day every year uh, which is like a camp for young people and we'll take them out and they'll go out and do some social action stuff, they'll go and clean up an estate, they'll go and run a fun day they'll go and um, uh, uh, go and paint someone's garden fences, that kind of thing they'll go and do surveys with people on the street and um, you think, everyone will think this is wonderful, and yeah most people do, but actually some people say What are you doing? This is dreadful. What are you teaching these children? Why are you bringing these children out here? Take them away. Almost a kind of... Teach them to just think about themselves. Don't teach them to follow Jesus. Don't teach them to uh, help others. And often it's not so much people themselves, but the fact that we have an enemy who wants to use people, who wants to use situations, who wants to use circumstances to oppose your life with Jesus and my life with Jesus. How do you cope with that? How do you respond? Do you simply give in? I was told the Christian life was meant to be easy. I was told it was meant to be plain sailing. See, Jesus did say in this world you'll have trouble. But then he said, take heart. I have overcome the world. See, it must be, it must be the gospel that helps us face opposition. It must be these things like uh, that we've talked about, like faith, that helps us face opposition. It must be applying faith, applying trust in Jesus. You know, maybe, uh, maybe I'm maybe facing opposition, Jesus, but I'm going to choose to trust in you. I'm going to choose to depend on you. It's about understanding forgiveness. Do you know, I know I'm, I know I'm facing this opposition, but I'm not going to believe the lie that God doesn't care about my situation, that God doesn't care about me, that God is distant. I'm not going to believe the lies. I'm going to know I'm forgiven. I'm going to know it's because I know he loves me. I know he's for me. I'm going to believe those truths. I know I'm forgiven. See, the Christian life isn't just about grin and bear it. It's about walking in faith and trust, and dependence, knowing I'm forgiven, I'm free, I'm a child of God, I'm his. It would be good to respond this morning, it would be good to respond in worship, it would be good to respond in prayer. Maybe there are things you're facing at the moment, maybe there is opposition, friction you're facing right now, I want to encourage you, respond in faith. Respond in faith, and God's here. God's here to stir your faith, to speak to you afresh of his love for you, of how you can depend on him. Maybe you know that there's something that you need to respond to in faith today. You need to respond to, responding, trusting Jesus in. Perhaps it's a relationship you need to sort out. Perhaps it's a friendship, a friend or a person you know you need to reach out to. Perhaps it's a thing. You just know God's calling me to do this thing. I want to respond in faith. God's not calling me to respond in heartless obedience and coldness, but actually in loving, grace-filled, joy-filled faith. He's here to stir afresh your faith this morning for that. Maybe you're not a Christian here this morning. You can know the forgiveness of God today. You can know that forgiveness. You can know, you can hear the words. Your, sin, uh, your sins are forgiven. You can hear Jesus' words today for you because on the cross, he dealt with your sin. He paid it. There's nothing you can add to it but receive forgiveness today. You can do it as we, as we pray, as we worship. Why don't you respond like that? Why don't you respond to God? And come and talk to us if you want as well. We'd love to talk with you. We'd love to help you in that. But why don't we stand? And could the band come up? I'd like to pray for us, and then I'd like us to respond in song. I'd like us to worship and come to Jesus afresh. I'd like us to put our attention on him and depend on him for who he is. Come on, let's stand, let's pray. Let's keep our attention on Jesus. Let's come to him. Lord Jesus, we love you. we come trusting in you we come we know we can approach you in faith we know we can approach you depending on what you have said about yourself of who you say you are we know we can approach you now (laughs) thank you thank you you're here by the spirit and we can approach you not thinking you're distant and caring not interested in our lives but actually very close and full of love. And so we say we come to you in faith. Just in your heart, just respond to him this morning. Say, I'm coming coming in faith. I'm coming trusting and depending, not in my efforts, not in my abilities, but in faith. I'm trusting at the cross. You dealt with all my sin, all my shame, That thing, that thing from my past, I know you've dealt with at the cross. I know you're not going to bring it up years from now and say, but I didn't pay for that because that was particularly bad. No, you've dealt with it. You've dealt with it at the cross. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I pray for... Pray for anyone who just knows there's things in life they, they need to step out. You're calling them to do, you're calling them to people, you're calling them to um, serve you in a certain way, you're calling them to, to respond in a certain way, to act in a certain way. Lord, help us to respond in faith. Help us to respond in joy-filled, loving faith to you. Come bring a fresh faith to us. Fresh trust in you. Fresh love and dependency on who you are. Lord, I want to pray for anyone who doesn't know you this morning, who's reaching out, that's saying, I want to come, I wanna I want to make a move to you, Jesus. I want to I want to know what it is to hear those words. Your sins are forgiven. Lord, I, I ask right now, would you come to them? Right now, would you. Come to them in love. Come to them knowing they don't bring anything in terms of their efforts or their abilities. They just bring themselves. And you love to forgive. We love you, Lord. We love you. And as we respond in worship, as we respond in song, we are putting our attention and our focus on you. Not on who we are, but all on you and your goodness and on your majesty and on what you have achieved for us at the cross. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, you empower us for life and you empower us to be the men and the women you are making us and called us to be. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Come on, let's respond in song. Let's worship him. <coughs>